You're listening to the Northside Christian Church Podcast. Find out more about Northside by visiting us online at northsideweb.org. Have you ever been mingling around at a banquet or maybe at somebody's home and you're hanging out just talking for about 30 minutes and then the hostess shows up with a big smile on their face and says those words that we all love to hear, dinner is served, right? Dinner is served. When you hear those words, if you're a teenager, you quit playing Fortnite and you head to the table. If you're an adult on your laptop, you shut the laptop and you go straight to the table because it's time to what? Yeah, you guys awake? It's time to eat. It's time to eat. We love those words. Dinner is served. And usually when we hear that phrase, what we focus on is the word dinner, not the word served. And the story we're going to go back over this morning, that's exactly what was happening with the disciples in the upper room as they were getting ready to partake of the Passover meal. To these guys, it was all about the meal. But to Jesus, it was all about serving. You're quite familiar with the story. Most of you, it's referred to as the Last Supper. It's the final meal of Jesus before he would be arrested and crucified. And so this morning, our focus is on the theme of service. And if I were to sum the whole message up into one sentence, here it is. If we say, I love Jesus and I love my church, then we should serve faithfully. Read that with me. If we... As we work our way through this story, the first thing I want you to understand is Jesus shows us what servants do. Jesus shows us what servants do. To give you some background... If you look in the Jewish archives, it is noted that the washing of feet was done by the lowest of Gentiles, by wives, by children. It was never expected to be done by the rabbi, by the teacher, and especially by the master. Watch this little clip as I continue to read from John chapter 13, beginning with verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and after he poured water into a basin, he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. The master being the servant, seeing what needed to be done, and doing it. Picture all these guys coming into this upper room for this special meal, and the servant doesn't show up. That teenage boy, that minimum wage worker that's supposed to be there to wash everybody's feet, nowhere to be seen. Like baseball players waiting for the umpire to show up like an airline passenger waiting for the flight crew to come. There's an awkwardness as these guys wait. 
probably some small talk in the room, waiting so they could get to the really important stuff, but the simple stuff had to be taken care of first. Dusty, smelly feet that would be right near the face of the person they were reclining next to at this meal needed to be washed. Somebody had to arrive to do it. Somebody had to show up. And they sit there. And Jesus, the master teacher, sits there and watches them. Observing them, waiting for someone to step up and do it. Hoping that they can recall what he just taught them two months earlier where he said, those of you who want to be the greatest must be a servant. But not one of the guys moved. Nothing. Nothing but the sound of crickets. And out of the corner of their eye, they see someone leave the room. They see someone take off out of the room. And they continue in their small talk, but then they see from the side door someone come in. And that someone is carrying a basin of water and a towel. And they notice that someone is not a teenage servant, not a minimum wage worker, but it's none other than the rabbi, the teacher, the one that they believe to be the Messiah who comes in and he's the one carrying the basin and the towel. Maybe you've heard this story many times, but have you ever just stopped and thought how quiet that room must have been? All they would have been able to hear is Jesus putting the towel in the water and wringing out the water and washing foot by foot those dirty callous feet of the ones he expected to serve. So he shows us how to serve. Then he shows us why. Why we should serve. John chapter 13, now picking up in verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put his, back, his, put his clothes back on. In other words, he put his outer garment back on. And he returned to his place. And he said, do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, because that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I've set an example for you that you should do as I have done. In other words, he says, just like me, when you see a need, you need to go after it. You need to do it. He's sharing with his disciples this information, trying also to get them to understand the ground is level with the foot of the cross. Okay? There's nobody better than anyone else 
but everyone should be serving. 1 Peter 4.10, Peter says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So not only does he tell us how or why, but he also shares he expects it of us. As a believer in Jesus Christ, we are expected to serve Jesus. Just like a parent, he's shown us, told us, now it's up to us to do something about it. And he wants us to do it from our hearts. See, oftentimes when we think of serving other people, we think of using our hands, using our whatever gift we have, but it all starts right here. Ephesians 6, 7, and 8, Paul said, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each of you for whatever good they each, for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And the earlier we can start serving from our hearts, the better off we'll be. I don't know if you heard the old story of a servanthood at a young age, but I love this little story. It actually took place in a first grade classroom. There's a six-year-old boy, six boy who was sitting in his uh, chair in the classroom, and all of a sudden, a puddle appeared underneath his chair between his feet, and his pants happened to be wet. He had no idea how it happened, but he knew if the boys found out what, it, what he had done, they would, he'd be the laughing stock. If the girls found out what he had done, they wouldn't talk to him the rest of his life. So he sits in his chair, red-faced, with his pants wet, a puddle underneath his chair, knowing that recess is only a few moments away. What is he going to do? And as he begins to contemplate, he sees the teacher start to walk towards his desk. And he knows, I've been found out. And so he gets his heart's beating faster and faster and faster. What's going to happen the closer the teacher got to his desk? But then what happened, one of his classmates, a little girl named Julie, is carrying a goldfish bowl across the room. And just before she gets to him and she's in between him and the teacher, she accidentally trips and dumps the whole goldfish bowl full of water onto his lap. He acts mad, all right, as to why she would do that, but inside he's saying, God, thank you for answering my prayers, right? Imagine it. But all of a sudden now, instead of being the object of ridicule, he's the object of sympathy. And all the other children are on their hands and knees, wiping up the water from around his desk. What has been transferred, what was once Humiliation of him was transferred to Julie. She tries to help clean up, and the other kids just say, I'll oh, get away. You're nothing but a klutz. Go away. The teacher takes him downstairs, gets him a pair of gym trunks while his pants dry out. Later, as they were at the bus stop, he goes up to Julie and he whispers to her, he said, you did that on purpose, didn't you? You meant to do that. And Julie whispers back, I had an accident myself once. Service at times can be humbling 
It can be painful. And as you serve, you may even invite ridicule on yourself from people who don't understand your heart and your motive. But we look for opportunities to serve. They're all around us. I want to give you a challenge. And that challenge is to take some risk in your service. What if you were to do something that was totally out of the norm for you in the way that you serve? If you would go out on a limb, out of your comfort zone. I don't know what that looks like for each of us, but for each of us it might look a little bit different. I can remember sitting in my corner office at the church where I served for 20 years in Greenford, Ohio as a lead pastor for 15 of those years. And God had blessed. God had blessed. And I remember sitting in my corner office and it overlooked a cornfield and it overlooked the worship center that, we, that God had built there. And I was pretty comfortable. In fact, I could have been there in that corner office until I was all done with ministry. But God just kept beating on me and beating on me. You're way too comfortable. You need to go here. You need to do this. I've got more to do. You're done here. I don't know what it is for you. For me, this is huge what we're doing here. This is something that we should have attempted 30 years ago. But we're here. Maybe for you it's as simple as adopting a family as Christmas gets closer. Buying gifts for them. Maybe for you uh, it's at work. You go to work Monday through Friday, everybody's there. But on Saturday, nobody's there, but you show up. And you do something that needs to be done around the office or outside of the building. And nobody knows but you and God. Philippians 2.3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. And I've noticed the longer that people are believers and the longer that people are in the church, the more they play it safe in the way that they serve. Why? I don't know. But it's time for mature believers to continue to step up and take a risk, whatever that risk may be. Here's a picture of the Camlins. This is Jonna and Aaron. And their three, uh, their triplets, Abby, Olivia, and Asher. They are right over here right now in this direction of the building, taking care of the babies. Jana has stepped up to oversee our nursery area of Northside Medina. Aaron helps out in there as well, as, as one of, also as one of the leads of the scuba team. That's all the material you'll see hanging around the building. Uh, it takes about hour and a half to two hours to hang all that and they hear what I said they've got three triplets age 10 they are and yet they decided 
to make a commitment to serve, realizing that serving the Lord would be a priority for their family. They all have soccer, music. Imagine taking 10-year-olds, three of them, everywhere they need to go. And yet they know that serving the Lord and training their kids to serve the Lord and Jesus, even in the chaos of this world, is top priority for them. I don't know what it looks like for you, but that's what it looks like for the Camlins. And I tell you what, God is going to reward them one day in big, big ways. Big, big ways. You see, Jesus expects us to serve, serve from our hearts, to take some risk, but also to do it humbly, to be a humble servant. What's that look like? Well, you just saw it on the screen a little bit ago where Jesus demonstrated what an upside-down life looks like as he got on his hands and knees and washed the feet of his disciples. I'm not talking about service that's done on a stage or in a spotlight or the TV stations might show up. I'm talking about something where nobody knows, nobody sees, but God. It's usually behind the scenes, the humble kind of servant. It's the husband who hears the child, their child cry in the middle of the night. And the husband gets up, goes and takes care of the child, doesn't wake his wife, comes back, gets in bed, and in the morning never mentions that it happened, that doesn't ever mention a thing about it. It's the student who goes into the lunchroom, and week after week they see this kid eating lunch all by themselves. But this week, it's different. They walk into the lunchroom, and they sit down beside the other one, and they share a candy bar. It's the coworker who doesn't take credit, doesn't take the credit, but gives a compliment and passes it on. It's the employee who trusts the leaders and doesn't second guess or complain about decisions that are made. And get this one. It's the wife who rubs her husband's feet as the Buckeyes play on TV, right? Uh, I love that one. To wrap all this up, I want to have you do a little exercise. And the exercise is this. I'm going to ask you to inhale. And by the way, I'm going to give you an out. If you have health issues, don't do this. We don't need the ambulance coming here, all right? So if you have any health breathing issues, please don't do this. And everybody's got to participate. You ready? <laughs> ready? All right. Now, I'm going to ask you to inhale, and you're going to be tempted to exhale. Don't exhale. It's going to be a while. All right? We're going to keep inhaling. All right? Relax a little bit. Your shoulders like this. All right. You ready? All right, here we go. You don't even have to move to participate in this. Here we go. Deep breath in. Inhale. Don't exhale. Okay, again, inhale some more. Don't exhale. You got more. Inhale, big, big, big. Inhale, inhale, inhale. Okay, let it out. Whew. Right? 
Why would I do such a thing? Well, it's a picture of what was happening surrounding Jesus' time on this earth. The religious leaders would do nothing but take in, take in, take in, take in. All of the teachings, all of the head knowledge, take in, take in, take in. And they never gave anything out. They never served. As a believer, the temptation is there in so many different areas today where you can take in, take in, take in, take in, and never give, never serve. And when that happens, your faith suffocates. Your faith suffocates. You think you're growing, but you're stagnant. There's nothing there. Oh, it seems like you're close to God. Seems like Jesus is like really real to you. But I challenge you in the deepest of ways, whatever it looks like for you, that you step out and you go out of your comfort zone a little bit and you say, okay, God, I'm going to give this a shot. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to step up to the plate and I'm going to quit taking it all in and I'm going to start to give and I'm going to start to serve the way that you served when you were here on this earth. In your programs this morning when you came in, I want to give you a chance to do it. I'll give you, this doesn't have to be the way. But as Northside Medina starts, we got a lot of things that have to be accomplished. A lot of visions and goals and dreams. But it takes a whole lot of hearts of service to make it happen. I want to encourage you to volunteer to sign up to participate in some of these you don't have to we want to give you a chance if you just started coming to pick a zone and then I'll get in contact you probably or one of the ministry heads will get in contact with you and, and plug you in we're going to play the music here just for a moment and give you a chance to fill this out if you don't want to fill it out just meditate okay God where is it for me where is it for me how can I serve you more? that you've just signed. You can put them in the little baskets as you leave. 
And after we worship here for a moment, I want to encourage you all to go out. We'll go outside, out in front of the front entrance. And we'll ask the mayor to participate with us. And we got scissors. And we're going to take some photographs. And uh, officially, with the mayor being present, open this place for God's glory and God's honor uh, to be used. But let's stand. Let's sing. Let's honor God.